1: The number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.
2: This is the Court Today replay on C103. So, we welcome you along to Tuesday's edition of the program. And I start with an apology for yesterday. We were so busy with the phone lines yesterday that we didn't get a chance to give away our Hall of Notes tickets for yesterday we have a pair of Hall and Oates tickets to give away they're playing live at the Marquee on Monday the 8th of July and we are giving away a pair of tickets every day this week thanks to our good friends at uh, Aiken Promotions and just yesterday the phone lines just almost blew up at one stage so what we're going to do is we will give we will have two winners today on the programme and then we'll be we'll be back on track and back to normal so your chance to win Daryl Hall John Oates live at the Marquee on Monday, the 8th of July, your chance to win a pair of those tickets uh, later on today. Stay tuned for that. There's huge, huge interest, I have to say, uh, in this gig. Now, John Paul is taking your calls at 1850 333 Texting and WhatsApp is available at 086 103. And already a number of texts coming in, including a plug for somebody. So let me get that out of the way for fear that I forget about it uh, later on and it is the gang at the NCBI charity shop in Bandon. They're having a half price sale today and tomorrow and what they're hoping to do is to sell as much stock today and tomorrow to make, to get it all out of the shop to make way for new stock that's going to be arriving over the next few days. So well worth a visit, lots of bargains to be had and at the same time the National Council for the Blind benefiting at that charity shop in Bandon. So thanks to Valerie for that and hi to the gang at the NCBI shop in Bandon. Now on the program today, we're picking up on what we were talking about yesterday, which is the proposal that came out over the weekend that the government are considering, considering, and I say almost in inadvertent commas, looking at ways that convicted drunk drivers, who now there's an automatic ban, you'll be off the road uh, for three months they're looking at a scheme whereby you would be given a special type of a licence, a limited licence, a limited permit that would allow you to drive to and from work. If when you're in court, you can prove to the judge who's putting you off the road for three months, if you can prove well i need to have my license and th- this is the reason i need to have my license these are the hours that i need to be driving you would get this very special license that will allow you then uh, to drive at at uh, work, work drive to and from work or drive for work so let's be honest people drive for work uh, as well a lot of criticism to this proposal and certainly we got we did get a lot of criticism but we got a mixed Reaction yesterday. I have to I have to say, we did have people, particularly those that live in rural uh, areas. Whenever this issue comes up of somebody losing a license, there's a big difference between losing your driving license if you are in an urban area, you're living in the city, particularly if you're living in Dublin city, uh, between somebody who is living in the in West Cork, in rural areas of North Cork, rural areas of Kerry, or indeed any rural area across the country that doesn't have public transport close or near to the person. If you lose your licence and you're not able to drive, you're in a much bigger, bigger pickle than somebody that lives in the middle of the city. So yesterday, yeah, I, you could very much sense that it was people from rural areas were saying, mm, this isn't a bad scheme, Let's let's take a look at this, let's see what this proposal is. And it seems that a similar scheme operates in New Zealand because New Zealand would be a bit like Ireland in that they have very large cities and then they have people who live in very rural, isolated areas. So I'm assuming that's the reason that it was introduced in in, in New Zealand. So the idea is that the Department of Transport are looking at the New Zealand model and I suppose seeing how does it work and could it be replicated here. So we've invited... Deputy Michael Healy-Ray to join us on the programme because one of the most vocal when it comes to people in rural areas losing their licence and I know this is a proposal that he very much backs and is very much saying to the government this is the way to do it. This is a way around somebody losing their licence and being off the road for three months that ultimately could put that person out of a job on the dole and could have huge financial implications for the family so we're going to discuss that on the programme and already getting some uh, texts in uh, on it a listener says if you bring if they bring in that new law on drink driving that would allow somebody to say I need my licence for work then does that mean that every HG, HGV driver nothing will change for them because they have to have their licence to drive for work or any professional driver can simply get caught drink driving, rock up and say I need my license for work, and and then they get handed back their license. I'm assume it would be though for a one strike, you you get it once, and then after that one strike you would be out. I I I couldn't see the system now. I I don't know in theory how the system works in New Zealand, but I couldn't see it being the case that somebody keeps getting caught, drink driving and keeps turning up, going, oh, sorry, I need my licence to work. Okay, there you go, you have a licence to go to to work. That wouldn't make any sense uh, at all. Anyway, this is John in Mill Street. John says, I think five years off the road for a first offence and ten years for a second offence and so on, says John in Mill Street. So John is saying that these, the penalties that we have in place at the moment, John feels, are simply not strict, strict enough. At the moment, you'd be off for three months on a first offence in the lower end of the scale and John says no get rid of that five years for a first offence, and uh, ten years if you're caught a second time I did see that Waterford City and County Council they have been calling on the government to supply pharmacies with breathalyser kits they're saying this could be a solution that could help particularly to help drivers from failing the breath test the morning after because there does seem to be and I don't know if it's anecdotal evidence or not, but I've heard more and more people talking about seeing people being breathalyzed in the morning or getting breathalyzed in the morning, much more so than ever before. Now, maybe it's just anecdotal. I don't know. I'd be interested to hear from people. Have you been have you been breathalyzed in the morning or have you heard of somebody, somebody you know has been breathalyzed or you've spotted the Guardie out breathalysing in the morning. But anyway this proposal came before Waterford City and uh, County Council and again bringing up the whole thing about people living in rural areas and now a lot of people living in rural areas are afraid of their lives to even drive to work the morning after they've had a drink for fear that they may be over the limit. So the Waterford councillors want what some European countries have already introduced juiced, which is a a breathalyser test kit uh, initiative. And uh, they've called on the government to do that, to put this in place whereby they're saying, one one suggestion that came in from one councillor was that the government would provide the breathalyser test kits free and then reimburse the pharmacies uh, instead. So you would go in and say... Now I don't know. Would you go in and pick one up in advance? I mean, you can't drive to the pharmacy and, and then get it. But anyway, the idea would be that the pharmacies would be handing out these free breathalyzers, paid for by the government, and it will be one way for people to know. Now, the breath, the home breathalyzers. I know there's been, you know, people say that they're not a hundred percent accurate, but they will give you a good idea. I mean, I certainly have. We have one of those home breathalyzer kits, and we've had it in the house for for a good number of years and certainly anyone staying in my house that there'd been a few drinks and you know, over Christmas it might get used a lot and you know you get somebody if they were leaving the next day blow into that and if it was anyway borderline I would say no you're not leaving for another hour have some more food have a cup of coffee have a bit of a snooze and wait until we know that they're well below so I think the, the home breathalyser kits I do think they're good for that they give you a kind of a and in and around are you going to pass uh, or not and i think they can and will make people stop and think about getting behind the wheel of the car particularly the morning uh, after so i don't know how people would feel about that our waterford councillors are they right on that is that is it a, is that is that a way to go whereby the government would be paying for breathalysers so people would simply pick up a breathalyser inside in the pharmacist and they'd be backed and paid for by the government are do the government have other better things to spend their money on. Because, could I say, the one fear I would have with that is what budget would that money come out of? Because please don't let it come out of from the HSE or the Department of Health because later on in the programme this morning we're going to be hearing about families who are fighting the HSE to pay for a life-changing drug for their children. Can you imagine if you have a child who is very unwell and in this case suffering from a very rare neurological condition and before your eyes you are watching your child deteriorating And you now know that there is a drug on the market. Scientists and pharmacists have been working on this revolutionary drug that is going to change your child's life now and into the future. You know this drug is available. You know other countries are administering this drug, but your child can't get the drug because your child lives in Ireland. And somebody in the HSE who is working on a balance sheet has decided, no, that drug is too expensive. It has got to be gut-wrenching. It has really got to be gut-wrenching for that uh, to happen. There were a number of families were outside Leinster House last week campaigning for this particular spin spinrasia I think is the name of the drug and it's funny when I was reading about the families and I saw them, they were on the news and I was reading about them on the paper, it straight away brought me back to John Hannon and the Alpha 1 patients who which is the genetic form of emphysemia and their respriza raspresi- drug that they had to fight for and I was thinking God here we go again we have another group of patients and this time it's little children and it's their parents fighting on behalf of their little children and I know there isn't a bottomless pit of money in the HSE but when these these drugs materialise and other countries manage to be able to do, you know they somehow come up with a deal with the pharmaceutical companies then do everything that you possibly can to get that deal in place as quickly as possible but don't be dragging families and their children in their little wheelchairs outside the gate of Leinster House to try to highlight and publicise their their case, there's just something uh, so wrong, we're going to be looking at that this morning uh, on the programme Also, trying to get the very latest on the changes to the old age pensioners, the changes that were introduced in 2012 that has affected a cohort of pensioners. Many of them listen to this programme because we've heard from them uh, over the years. And because of the changes that were introduced by Joan Burton, wasn't it, at the time, it was the way you qualified for your state pension and people who thought, I've been working all my life, I'll be fine when I go to get my state pension. But women in the main who took time out, to raise their families or took time out maybe to look after an elderly parent. So there was a gap in their working life when they then went to get their state pension. Oh, no, sorry, you don't have enough contributions. And it was just they did have enough contributions, but the way they decided, the new way they decided to calculate it, made it look like that they didn't. And because of that, they got a lesser old age pension. It was one of those really, really mean cuts that were introduced. Everyone accepted it was a mean uh, cut, Eventually, eventually, the department changed their mind and said, OK, we'll revert back and we'll sort this out. Well, they didn't revert it back, but they changed the rules and regulations so that it means more old age pensioners will get the full state pension. The reviews are underway. They have to review every single case of every pensioner who received a state pension since 2012 and we're up to 2019. So it is just taking some time. So you do have to have a little bit of patience on this. But I believe the first of the pensioners at the end of last Months started to receive their increases, which certainly is good news. And I already see somebody has been on when I mentioned it earlier, said, Patricia, you mentioned about the changes to the cuts in pensions in from from 2012. Well, let me tell you my story. They wrote to me on the 15th of January 2019 to explain the gaps in my contribution. They sent, they then sent all the data on the 22nd of January and then said they would have to send me out an official form which took a month to come out to me. So I got that on the 26th of February. I filled in the form, posted on the 27th and they got back to me, said they're they will be doing my review at the start of april so people who got their their who have got their money before may or who get it before may are the lucky ones can i just say and i'll get a clarification on it as far as i know they're backdating the money now i know you just want to have your full state pension every week but as far as I know, the money has been backdated, so you'll get. So don't be worrying that there's a bit of a delay with your review go going on, and that some people are going to be financially better off than you because they get their money earlier. It's, that's not the case. It is going to be backdated, so you get a little bit of a lump sum whenever your review is uh, complete. But we'll find out more about that on the program uh, today. Also, we've tracked down Barry Darcy, who just blew everyone away on Ireland's Got Talent. He is. He lives in Castle. Martyr. Man, what a singer uh, he is. He did uh, an, um, an Elvis Presley uh, track and it was just, it was one of those moments, you know when you're watching any of those talent shows um, some of it just goes over your head but every now and again somebody will come on stage that will just captivate you. Literally, captivate you and I was actually in my kitchen doing poshing around the kitchen you know with the TV on in the background and he started to sing and it stopped me it actually stopped me dead in my tracks and I just stood staring at the TV he was incredible and it was no surprise at all when Louis Walsh got out of his seat walked over and banged on the golden buzzer I was delighted from. so we'll talk with uh, Barry Darcy who now is straight through to the semi-final the next time we will see Barry on the programme will be in the live shows when obviously people will be uh, voting for him and watching him the other night he's going to get a lot of votes he's going to do well he really is going to do well in this uh, competition uh, we're going to get reaction to the news that the Ring Road near Clonakilty is to remain closed for a further month. Dear God, we were just getting to the end of the eighth month closure and people have had to put up with this road closure for eight months because I remember back in the summer when it was announced that the road was going to close for eight months we were all shocked uh, by it but they it got in, it got underway, everybody knew the ro- flood relief works had to be done and it was one of those things people just had to suck it up and put up with the inconvenience of having an entire road Closed. I mean the inconvenience for local people has been shocking but we were finally getting to the end of it and you know let's get out in the streets and party on because the, the ring road is going to be open again to suddenly be told oh sorry we need another month I mean that's just very upsetting news for people who have been discommoded because of the closure of this road so we'll talk about that on the programme today and then it's Tuesday so Joe Heffernan will join us we've been dealing the last number of weeks with Joe on OCD obsessive components Disorder. And and I couldn't get over actually the amount of people who contacted us to say, yeah, very much identifying with what Joe was talking about. And he can just absolutely take over your life. So today we're looking at what is it like to live with somebody? Who has obsessive compulsive disorder? It must be well for the person with the OCD. My goodness, what they are going through, but living with somebody who's going through all of those rituals must be very, very difficult uh, as well. So, your thoughts, comments, questions, welcome throughout the morning. So, texts and calls in about drink driving, and also a number of people very annoyed at the Waterwood City and County Councils calling on the government to supply breathalyzers free of uh, charge. Let me give you an example of some of the texts coming in. Maurice says, "Patricia, hope this." Makes Message finds you well. It doesn't eat. If you can afford to drink, then you can afford to pay for and buy your own breathalyzer kit. I've seen them sold in many, many pharmacies. Says pharmacies. We wonder why we are paying so much in taxes. I would like it if our taxes were used for the homeless, for health, and for education, not to purchase and hand out free breathalysers. Keep up the good work. thanking you, says Marie. Thanks, Marie. Someone else similar. Breathalyser Kids, you should be able to buy them yourself. Would it be the cost of a drink? Ponders this texter. How can it even be considered to hand them out for free? Give those poor parents the drugs they need for their children. Shame on the counsellors that even suggested this drink if you want but remember it is your choice it is your responsibility Pat says Hi Patricia that Sham Ross and and I take it that's a play on his name or maybe it's predictive text or something it was meant to be that Shane Ross will bring down the government yes that's from Pat someone says I am a drinker myself but if you are driving the following morning then no drink the night before full stop because you could end up breaking the law the next day. If you are caught, you should be banned from the road. And that's some John in Mill Street who says, yes, by the way, I am a driver and different John says give them all a great big fine hit them where it hurts in the pocket rather than actually somebody else said that yesterday as well rather than banning them from the road hit them where it hurts remember somebody yesterday was saying that the fine should be based on how much they earn like a percentage of your earning or if you're unemployed a percentage of your social welfare payment and the more over the drink drive limit you would be the higher the fine would be or if it was a second and third offence and really and really target people, hit them, hit them, as John says, hit them where it hurts uh, in in the pocket couple of whatsapps uh, WhatsApps. Michael says Patricia I agree with Michael Healy Ray who we're going to be talking to in a moment on people who are just over the drink drive limit not for somebody who blows the breathalyser out of the world they would need to click on an app on their phone when going to work or going to school and then click out when they get there it's similar to how Uber taxis work that's the only way it could be controlled otherwise it would be a complete and utter non-runner that's from uh, Michael And another text just says there are some people off the road for drink driving and they're still driving because they didn't end in their licence. Why should anyone be responsible for other people's drinking? If you drink, don't drive. It is the law plain and uh, simple okay a sample as I say some of the texts coming in on this issue 1850 333103 and I don't know if anybody can give us clarity on this but somebody says they're cutting the cherry blossoms right back on Kilbrogan Hill in Bandon why at this time of the year the cherry blossom trees are just starting to look amazing now I don't know why is that a health and safety Issue: Are the trees interfering? Are they too near electrical wires? They couldn't be causing... Are they causing an obstruction for, to, for views? Or, are they overhanging areas? I have no idea why they would be doing that. If anybody in the abandoned area can tell us why would they be cutting the Cherry Blossom Trees right back at this time of the year on Kilbrogan Hill be interested to hear
3: 1850 333 103 Flora Gaelga RC 103 Raghad <laughs> Conor McGregor and cahool a day de Ul ool naadig the gromlin na Mala aach a clia drastal sear gwaelschol dan banskeleacht agus, da ag ag agus ag gwaelcalacht da dan banskeleacht ag isha conor eg dron Pugshe er Kate Cumortis professionte. I UFC-le John Cavanaugh Ali. Talgå The notorious August Mystic man. Talg ne In aarde August træt Black de vundt she. Kenny in she orador August Jack, Lena Fortner D devlin. Is a untamed champion, Erin O'Callaghan, from UFC, and an all-in, Corach Masta. For she ain't paid Malone dollar than fruit a Gwynne Mayweather in Lunasa and Nore. Is far on Severe gone in ago. The blower Gwela is Micheal Paddy de Berto, no Gwela scalt Paula.
2: Cade as a three Kirkig. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Yesterday we mentioned that the government is considering allowing convicted drink drivers drive to work. Department of Transport officials are examining a system which is currently in operation in New Zealand. The tougher drink driving laws are causing extreme hardship for people who live in rural areas and joining me with his views on these proposals are Kerry Independent uh, Doll Deputy Michael Healy-Rae. Good morning to Michael. Good morning, how are you? I'm very well and you're very welcome to the programme. Okay, what do you Thank know uh, What do you know about the New Zealand System and how it actually operates?
4: Well, it's actually broader than we might have originally thought because in many of the states in the United States, not only do they give a permit uh, in individual cases, judges have the discretion to give a ban on a person's driver's license, but then they can also give permission uh, for a person to drive to work, to drive children to school. Uh, to take people on hospital appointments it's actually very unusual that on one hand you're saying to a person you you can't your license is being taken away but if the person can make a good and valid case uh and comply with all the restrictions that are put on a permit style license they can actually be allowed to drive in limited and certain cases now the one thing that i'd say to patricia because people up and down the links and breadth of the country could be saying this is insane. You either lose your license or you don't. But the funny thing is, it, it, it operates and works in other countries. And all I suggested uh, on the December the 11th to government, both justice and to the transport departments, was that this was something that should be looked at. I am not for one minute trying to tell you or your listeners that this is correct, that it is great, that it is going to work. I am not saying that. What I'm saying is, other countries, other jurisdictions do this. Maybe we should look at it. Now, one thing did happen last night, late last night, which was a little bit unusual, but look, different politicians operating in different ways. Uh, the senior uh, minister for transport, uh, Shane Ross, he issued a letter to the Tonight Show, which is an unusual way for a government minister maybe to get their message out. You would have thought that. Uh, he might have responded in the dial first. Now, I did get responses through the record and in the dial already over the last number of months. But last night, I think it was a reaction to a lot of the coverage that you and uh, your colleagues in the media, both and, on television and on radio, um, he, he reacted in the following way. And what he said was that there would be no uh, variation of the legislation that was introduced that there would be no permits and that he wouldn't entertain the ID. Now, that's the senior minister speaking. So that's a new change since last night. So
2: So, it's not even going to look at how it operates in other countries?
4: Well, you see, this is what I'm not really happy with. If the minister was to say, look, I've studied it, or if he put a a group of people looking at it and give it serious consideration because, you see, there, there obviously has to be a deterrent where there are laws there has to be rules, there has to be regulations. Now, you know that I've had my reservations about changes that have been made in this legislation. Mm. I did not support it. I'm very concerned about the impact that this is having on rural Ireland and rural dwellers. But having said all of that, I readily accept that you, where you have laws, rules, regulations, there has to be determined whether they're financial or whatever they have. But the one thing about it is, when a person loses their license, they lose an awful lot more than just their license. If you have a young family, if you need to go to work from A to B, you may lose lose your job. If you lose your job, what sort of knock-on effect is is there for your children? Now, other people would say to you, oh, but look, you should think about this before you drink and drive. And that's a very valid argument for people to make, Patricia. But at the same time, all I'm saying is, if they're doing it in other countries, why should we not at least look at it? I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's perfect. But what I, what I was saying was to look at it. I think Shen Ross's reaction is a little bit of a knee-jerk. Uh, he was seeing and hearing this, on a lot of media and newsprint and everything. And I think he overreacted, and that uh, he he may uh, start to shut off his mouth a little bit, and um, and issued a letter to a television programme, which you would admit to yourself. Is it a very unusual way for a government minister? Absolutely,
2: to do this, and I assume, Michael, what you would be looking at as well in somebody getting one of these permits, it would be people at the lower end of the scale. We're not talking about somebody that would go into court that would be five times over the drink driving limit, and it was a- their third offence. Absolutely
4: not. Of course, it would be the ju- it would be at the judge's discretion, and and what it would mean to me would be, for instance, if you take. For instance, uh, Patricia Messenger. She lives in her home. She has to travel into her place of work every day. And if you were marginally caught over the limit, perhaps in a morning checkpoint after being out for a meal the night before, something very innocent and very harmless, and if you found yourself in that type of position, well, that you would be entitled to go in before a judge and make a case that, look, I need to go from A to B to, to my place of work. work and uh, if if I can't do this, I'm going to lose my job. And then a judge could look at it and say in a very plausible way, well, fine, I'm going to give you this, this one chance. Yes, you can operate on a permit, perhaps a tracking device be put into your car, and that you can deviate from that. There are so many different ways that a, that a rule or regulation could be enforced. So all I wanted was that people would think about it, because remember, this government and the last government, they have been very anti-rural. Uh, there is one impression that I would like to knock on the head. When people talk about uh, tragedies and accidents on our roads, people seem to be under the impression that, well, when, where there's an accident, there's a drink. That is not true. The very vast majority of accidents on our roads have no involvement whatsoever with alcohol. Indeed, many of the tragedies that occur on our roads do not uh, involve People who are actually in a vehicle at all. The, the amount of people, for instance, in the county that I'm from, very sadly and very tragically, who, who die on our roads, are not in motor cars.
2: Pedestrians. Yes,
4: they're pedestrians and are, they're cyclists.
2: are on are, are motorbikes, yeah.
4: Yes, and it's great to see people out walking and it's great to see people out cycling, but, but unfortunately, the law of averages dictate the accident occur. Uh, uh, very tragic and very and it's wrong for us to have this debate this morning without acknowledging like I always try to do that there are people where, where there's an accident or what I would call a statistic Remember, in there's a real family absolutely who's visiting a graveyard and, and who has lost a low low
2: I'll have to I'll have to live with that. Margaret and we said, I spent time living in Connecticut in the States, and they operated this very same type of license that Michael is talking about uh, today, and they operated it very successfully. So it can and does work in uh, other jurisdictions. And Michael, just on another point, we certainly are hearing of more guard the checkpoints, both at night, but certainly in the morning, since the three month driving ban was introduced. Is, is that just anecdotally, or are you hearing the same thing? No,
4: I've spoken to Senior Gaby about this, and yes, there's a massive concentration now on uh, b- b- bagging people in the morning. That is, that is what is happening in the story. And uh, it's really, really uh, a big uh, change in our culture. And what it means is that fine, respectable people who go out at night Uh, and get a a family relative or a neighbour or a taxi to bring them home. They're going home, they're going to bed, getting up in the morning, going away about their work, and then they're being bagged. And uh, there's people being breathalyzed going to Mass. I know of people who are breathalyzed going to Mass, coming from Mass. And, like, I recently had an elderly gentleman, and he said to me, I told the guy, did he think I was inside the church with, with a bottle of whiskey or something, drinking while I was inside at Mass? And the man was actually quite angry. And he said, for God's sake, I I was inside the mass, and on the way back to my house, I I was bagged by the gas. And like this man would have been in his maybe late 70s, early 80s. And you know, if you think about it, sensibly, Patricia, it is a load of nonsense to have a person like that being bagged on their way from mass. It's crazy. And, um, but look, that's what legislators did. That's what people in this fine-gale-led government did to the people. And maybe they'll get an answer now during the local and the European elections that it was a direct attack on rural Ireland. The people that I represent certainly are not happy with it. Uh, The vintners are certainly not happy with it. And there's another thing I'd like to say about the vintners and about people who sell drink. Remember, it is not a criminal offence to own a public house and to sell drink. Our pubs have been part of our tradition back over the years They're happy, friendly places for people to go in in a measured and responsible way, to meet their relatives, to discuss football, uh, politics, boys discussing girls, girls discussing boys, and having all this fun and and, and interactivity. And then, now at the moment, in the media, not your media, of course, but, uh, but other people seem to look down upon our publicans. Remember, they've been there for many generations, Uh, They're very responsible people. Our Wintners often are uh, the sons and daughters of Wintners. So they're people who are steeped in the tradition of running public houses and catering for happy times and sad times after funerals and different occasions. People congregate in the pub at Christmas and Easter and during holiday breaks and uh, playing games of cards and, and general places of enjoyment. And they're finding it more and more difficult because of this anti-drink culture that
2: is... Yeah, and you by can go to the, the pub, people. you don't have to fall out of the pub, absolutely. And most not people not. don't fall, fall out of the pub. And the other thing with the, the pubs, and particularly the little Irish pub and the rural pub, the amount of tourists that cite one of the reasons that they came to the country was to experience the Irish pub.
4: But can I tell you how bad this thing has done now, Patricia? Uh, one night I was uh, on um, a certain uh, media programme and the person that was doing the interview had a number of drinks in front of uh, of her. We'll say it was just a highlight about measures and that. Yeah. And I'm not joking. I actually thought it was funny because when the person, when she smelled the drink, She as good as closed her eyes and all like this was disgusting to smell the drink. Like, there is nothing wrong with alcohol in a measured way. And people, some people now, especially politicians, holier-than-thou politicians, and people in government and certain sectors of the media, they're trying to give this impression that, oh my goodness, how could a person drink? and, And why would you want to have a drink? And drink is so bad, and it's this and it's that. Of course, we all know that alcohol creates problems. But if it's treated with respect, the people that are in all real publicans, the people who, who are conscientious and sincere publicans, they will never serve alcohol to somebody who is not in a fit state to uh, to consume it. They will only give out measures. Whereas when people are at home, perhaps with a bottle, well, there's no measure. They can have as much as they like. If you look at where do bad things have happened. In many cases, they happen on a Saturday morning, a Sunday morning, and a Monday morning during the late hours of the night if people are drinking at home. And and you've often seen that... Well, that's happen, the uh, big
2: danger with drinking at home, the whole measures.
4: Exactly, because yeah. there's no such thing as a measure. But but what I want to give out a clear message to all people who operate our public houses. Well, I there as a public representative, I support them wholeheartedly and 100% because they're fine, respectable people They create a job for themselves, maybe for family members, maybe for a young boy or a girl down or up or down the road. They give certain hours of employment, they pay them, and people are so glad to have worked in pubs in their early informative years. And it's a great education for a young person to work behind a public house and to be behind the counter serving people. it's a good education for it's as good as going to any university
2: All right, I can see a lot of uh, thoughts and comments uh, coming in on this one listen Michael we leave it there thank you for that though Uh, but you say listening to what Shane Ross issued to to the TV programme last night this is this argument this is off the table it's gone
4: dead in the water I'll be meeting him later on today and I'll be telling him a few home facts Okay.
2: All right. Good luck with that. And uh, thanks for joining us on the programme, uh, Michael. Uh, Good morning to you. Bye bye. That is uh, Kerry, independent doll deputy, uh, Michael Healy Ray. Some of your thoughts on this, Susan, in Clonakilty. If a person with a young family is put off the road, loses his job, is that putting more expense on the country? That person will end up having to sign on and will end up on social welfare to support their family. It can also lead to depression and a host of different uh, issues. Mary in Rathcool knows. Way should anyone get into a car and drive? The more drive after drink at night or indeed the next morning. My children have to travel to Mill Street to go for a drink, for to go for a drink, but they know not to drive the next uh, morning, and I won't be driving them around the country. So no to drinking and driving, says Mary in Rathcool. Jimmy in Bor- Boralee, is it, uh, is, says this is on breathalysers. They are the biggest load of rubbish you can ever have. Friends of mine had one and you could be over the limit and it'll tell you that you're under the limit and vice versa. I, I No, you're wrong on that. It'll give you a rough, it won't give you an absolute 100% accurate reading, Jimmy, but it will let you know certainly if you're not able to drive for sure. Uh, Jimmy says, I was, I... Was stopped years ago, and the guy that stopped me, I was over the limit. I was brought to the guard the station, then I took a blow into a large machine at the guard the station. Uh, and when I got there, I was under the limit, so I questioned the roadside breathalyzers and the home kits again. The roadside breathalyzer and the home kit will give you a rough estimate of where alcohol is in, in your system. But when you get to the guard the station, you'll know for sure if you're over the limit or not.
5: You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
2: Okay, looking for some advice please for one of our listeners. A gentleman has contacted the program and it's one of those when I read what this gentleman had to say, kind of one of those heartbreaking things and you just think you you don't know what's going on in other people's lives and you don't know how tough it is for some people and you kind of hear how tough it is for some people and you give thanks that you live in a in a happy normal household. The gentleman who's contacted us—we're calling him Jack. Obviously, that's not not his real name, and he's in. And we're just saying he's from the East Cork area. We'll give me no more detail than that, because obviously we don't want to identify him, and that's why we can't bring Jack on air because he—he uh, reckons he will be very easily uh, identified once he um, starts talking. And the reason he contacted us, he's in his thirties. Uh, he has recently come out of a relationship, but it wasn't a very good relationship. In that, his partner had been very violent to him. And that had been going on for a number of years. And she was physically violent to him, even though Jack never raised uh, a hand to the woman. And he went to great lengths to try to sort out the problems that were within the relationship, like suggesting to her that they go for couple counselling. You know, they go and talk to somebody just to try to find out why she got so angry and why she was using physical violence uh, towards Jack. But anyway, she was having absolutely none of it. But Jack says, no, she's left. She just up and left one day and decided that's it. I've had enough. I'm gone. So she got out of the relationship rather than Jack getting out of the relationship. But the biggest problem that he is left with, well, one of the big problems he's left with since she's terminated the relationship is that uh, Jack isn't able to read or write. And any letters that used to come into the house or anything that they needed to sort out, she was able to read and and write. So she was able to, to do all of that for them both and uh, for Jack. And now suddenly he is left feeling very alone. Uh, And he says he's obviously tried to get her back because he says it's like a switch has flicked for her. And she's now saying she's absolutely no feelings at all for Jack. Jack. He is working. He's getting on fine at work, even though he says every now and again, he, he nearly gets caught out because work don't realise that he's not able to read, read and uh, write. And that's not the first time I've heard that of people being able to get by and the intelligence level to be able to get by to fool people into not realising that you can't uh, read and write, which always shows that n- the ability to read and write has nothing at all to do uh, with intelligence. Anyway, he's lost. He says he's, just, he's, he's finding himself lost because the relationship is gone. He describes it as there being a big hole in his heart, even though it was an abusive uh, relationship. Uh, and he's struggling with the whole not being able to uh, read or write. And he says, if you want to meet somebody now, Today, when you're in your 30s, it's all online dating. But obviously, because Jack can't read or write, going online is not an option for him. He's he's not able to do that. So he's contacted us to see if we could just share his story to see if anyone out there would be able to offer him advice. Has anybody else been in his shoes, dealt with a situation like that uh, and coming out of the relationship? and, And now that he's out of it, the way he's feeling and how does he get on uh, with his life. Now my instant reaction to Jack is to point him in the direction of a uh, men who are the group, and uh, we've spoken with them, I've spoken with them now in many years, but they're they're the only dedicated support service for male victims of domestic abuse uh, in uh, Ireland and I know they, I mean, they provide things like crisis intervention, but they have helpline support and they do face-to-face support for victims as well. Because there isn't A lot of spotlight shone on male victims of domestic violence. We have a tendency to look at females because absolutely there are more female victims of domestic violence than men. men. But that's not to say that men don't end up in some very, very abusive situations. And it does sound like Jack, his self-esteem has been completely stripped away by this woman who can now decide she's had enough of Jack And just sort of drops him and she goes along her her merry way leaving him trying to come to terms with the end of a a relationship and even though it was abusive it's still the end of a relationship so we will we will pass on the Amen phone number for I don't know if they have Cork support groups where we, we we have their confidential support line we'll pass that number on just to get Jack I mean Jack the very fact that you picked up the phone and contacted us that's your first step to reaching out for help So if we can now point you in the direction of where you need to go to get the professional help, a men certainly will listen to you, they'll believe you and they'll be able to uh, support you. And then I think the other issue that you really need to deal with is your reading and writing. It is never to learn to read or write. I, over the years, have spoken with the most inspirational, incredible, brave adults who have joined me on air to talk about their journey of going from illiteracy to literacy and the difference it made when they made that phone call to the national adult literacy agency to say i'm not able to read or write and then they get a tutor and you know they learn to read to read and write so jack i will be Absolutely, and we'll get back on to Jack with the number for the the NADA have a I have I can give out Nada's number it's one eight hundred uh twenty twenty sixty five in case there's anybody else listening who's in that situation not been able to re- read or write one eight hundred twenty twenty uh sixty five. And uh, as we say, we're not saying where in East Cork Jack is living, except to say that he's in East Cork. But, and, you know, there'll be lots of uh, national literacy groups in that area that will be able to uh, help him. So that's two things that we can certainly do from this programme's point of view, just point him uh, in the right direction. But in the meantime, we give out his story because that's what he's asked us to do, because he he wants advice on how does he go about meeting somebody. He can't go down the online dating route, route because of the reading and writing. And... And he also would really like to chat to somebody else who may have come out of a relationship like his. So, somebody else who's been in a very physically abusive, physically abusive relationship. Um, if anybody can offer advice or if anybody else can point him in, in the direction of, of where he needs uh, to go. But heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking. And, and what. I can think of a lot of words I'd like to use for, for, for that woman and how could she do that? How could she do that to somebody who has a reading and writing issue and is obviously has, has a huge vulnerability because she obviously knew he couldn't uh, read and write because she had to do all the paperwork in the house. So he's already opening up his vulnerability to this woman, this woman that he believes is going to be his partner for life and this woman that he believes loves him as much as he loves her and then she somewhere along the line uh, changes that whole dynamic and it becomes a very, very abusive, physically abusive uh, relationship and there are so many decent, decent men who would never raise a hand to a woman, who are raised in a way that you never raise a hand to a woman. So even in defence are not able to fight back fear that they'll hurt the other person because they're a male against a female. Heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking. OK, uh, we'll open the phone lines on that, eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. If anybody can offer advice to Jack or if you want to text our WhatsApp advice that we can pass on to Jack. Please do 0862 103 103. John has said that adult education can also help with uh, reading and writing. If there's adult education courses in Jack's uh, area and in East Cork, yeah, there will be a lot of adult education courses. So maybe there are ones there for help with reading and writing. Thank you for that, uh, John. Okay, let me go back to some other of your thoughts coming into the programme on our interview with uh, Michael Healy-Ray. Uh, Stephen says, hi Patricia, thank God for Deputy Michael Healy-Ray. Imagine what this government would do to us without somebody like Michael to represent us. It's a shame more rural politicians don't stand up for people they're supposed to represent. And that comes in from uh, Stephen in Bantry. Thanking you, says uh, Stephen. Someone else says, when you talk about going to the pub, you can you can go to a pub and have a cup of tea, have a cup of coffee. You can have a soft drink. Why do you, Why do we always assume that you have to go to the pub to drink beer or uh, alcohol? Uh, John says, Patricia, as long as there is drink they will always be drinking and driving. John reckons he sees it every single day, even at lunchtime. People getting into their cars and driving, not a bother, bother on them. It's a pity that there isn't more Gardi out on our roads doing breath tests, checking people for uh, drinking and uh, driving. That's from uh, John. Uh, texter says, this is on, or this was Michael Hillyway. Defending pubs and publicans and saying that, you know, why are publicans always tired with this brush that they're only out to make money and that they're only out to get people drunk and and all of that. And let's not forget the social aspect there is to go into the pub and, you know, that vintners are very responsible people. Somebody says, let's not be stupid here. Most pubs don't care about people once they leave the pub. I think you're on there. I, I know very responsible publicans. I've been in pubs where I've seen publicans. Actually, take car keys away from somebody who they know they're about to drive. I've seen publicans refuse people drink. I've seen publicans drive. People that were over the limit or people who were just had too much drink. I've seen them drive them home. So you're wrong. You can't say that that all oh, publicans, that they don't care once they close their uh, front, front door. The scheme that we were talking about that Michael Heady Ray was hoping to introduce, but it looks like Shane Ross has said, no, you can forget it. We're not even going to look into it, is operating in Austria, which is in the EU, says Michael, who also says, let's remember here, there are far more people dying every day by suicide than dying by drink driving. Why are we always afraid to discuss that particular topic? And Heidi says, morning, Patricia. I did hear that Shane Ross was a drinker, was not, was a drinker. I'm not sure. And now he doesn't drink anymore. If that be the case, it's like people who give up cigarettes. When they're smoking they're fine but as soon as they give it up they're holier than thou and they become overactive trying to stop other people. Is it true that Shane Ross doesn't drink? And Heidi you're right, he doesn't drink. He actually admitted I don't know if this was last summer, this is a piece He uh, he's in fact a teetotaler, he doesn't uh, drink. That's not to say that he never drank. He says he made the decision to quit drinking a number of years ago, about three decades ago, when it was starting to affect his work. He said, he, was, he said, I quote, this is Jane Ross, I was drinking far too much, I was in my 30s and it was just affecting my life in every way. He says, I wasn't an alcoholic, I didn't go for treatment, I just said one day, this is it. I'm not going to do this anymore and I've never had another drink so he is teetotal. He doesn't drink. Now I don't know if that's in any way affects his decisions and the decisions he makes around uh, drinking and uh driving. Eighteen fifty three 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 one oh three. And just can I just pick up on a text that came in as well from Pat. When well, we mentioned earlier, even though I think it's gonna to be tomorrow now before we get we get to the issue with the pensions because we went over with uh, Michael Michael Healyway in the uh, last hour. Um But when we talk about old age pensions and the changes that have been put in place to the changes that were made in 2012, which means more old age pensioners now are going to get the full state pension rather than a reduced pension, which has been happening since 2012. Pat, in the middle of me mentioning that, says, Morning, Patricia. Would those goody goodies that sit at home waiting for the pensions and the benefits to come through the door that hard-pressed workers are being asked to go to work to pay for their idle ways, says Pat. And I had to read that text a few times to say, what are you on about? I mean, saying that people are sitting at home waiting for their pensions... And their benefits. People that are sitting at home and particularly the cohort that we are talking about where the changes came in in 2012, these were people who worked practically all of their lives. The group of women that have been most affected by it were the women who either through the marriage bar were forced to give up work or they were women who gave up work to look after their children or they gave up work to look after older parents. And then as soon as their responsibility, either towards their their children or towards older parents, they then went back to work. These were people who worked for years and years and years. So, Pat, these are the very pensioners that worked when you were at school. So, when they went to work, their taxation paid for your education, paid for you to go to the doctor, paid for you to have public transport or anything else that the government was giving you or was providing at the time. That's the way the system works. We work all of our lives and then you give up work and the next generation pay for you. So don't don't say that, they're, that you're paying for their idle ways. These people worked and worked hard all their lives. And one day, Pat, you will be idle. Your day will come when you will be set to retire and there'll be a generation coming up who will pay for your pension and i hope that the generation coming up don't think that you're just sitting there waiting for your pension to pop through through the door for your idle ways 185333103 jump all taking your calls text or whatsapp and thank you pat for your text by the way to 0862103103 c103 jobs person is required for power washing. You must have painting experience, a clean driver's license and safe pass, please. While an experienced shuttering carpenter is wanted, that's for work in the hollow area school age service provider is required for Tully lease and plasters are needed for immediate start in the Duhallow area. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is one out. just by the way we're just getting in a lot of calls I'm just getting some photographs in as well there's been a very serious accident at uh, Ballymcquirk Cross uh, the road is closed I would avoid that area certainly for the next hour or so well, that accident has been sorted out but uh, we're looking at the photographs coming in it's quite a serious accident okay, that's it's at Cross across uh, the N72 the Canturk uh, Junction avoid please 1850 Now last week a protest was held outside Leinster House calling on the government to fund a potentially life changing therapy The drug is called Spinraza and it is the first drug approved for treating a rare disorder called spinal muscular atrophy or SMA for short. Rebecca Bullman is from Yall. Rebecca was part of the protest along with her little five-year-old son Harry who has SMA and uh, Rebecca joins me. Good morning to you Rebecca. Morning Harry. Uh, yeah. I'm very well and thank you for taking time out uh, to no talk bother. to us. I suppose let's start at the beginning and explain to us what is spinal muscular atrophy. Um, yes, yeah, so
6: the spinal muscular atrophy is basically a muscle wasting disease genetic disorder so you've missed you have two uh, an smn one protein, and, and then there's another one, and they're basically missing one, so they can't build protein, so their muscles uh, waste away over time.
2: At what age was Harry diagnosed?
6: He was diagnosed when he was eighteen months.
2: And is he your only child? Have you other children?
6: I have another child. He's three. I was pregnant on him when I found out about Harry.
2: Oh wow! And and <laughs> and your other little—is your other boy okay?
6: Yeah, he's fine. Yeah, he? he's nervous. Okay,
2: so it's it's not everybody. It's not all children get the get the SMA. Uh, so one
6: in four people are carriers, but you have to, it has to be two carriers that meet, and then it has to be the same. It has to be the the bad egg and whatever you know forget get me. So it, the chances are quite slim. That's why it's so rare.
2: God, it's 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 extremely rare, then, isn't it? It's almost like winning yeah. the lottery, but the wrong kind mm-hmm. of of a lottery. Okay, ha- talk to me then about from when Harry got diagnosed, how it's affected him. He's he's now five years of age. What's the progression um, been like?
6: Yeah, so he would he he was never able to crawl or walk or anything, but his hands and his arms would would they be much weaker now than when they were? He used to be able to sit on the floor for hours and play. Now, if you tipped off him, he would always fall over if you let me so he'd have to have like put pillows and everything around him but now he can manage about 40 minutes and his arms and school and stuff like they're gone very weak and his scoliosis, his curve in his spine has gotten worse and his swallow is becoming um, much weaker as well when he's chewing his food and then he always gets respiratory problems because obviously it affects all the muscles in the body
2: and he's in a little wheelchair he doesn't walk does he?
6: No, he has a powered wheelchair. So he drives it around.
2: And leaving all of the physical problems that um yeah. ha- Harry has, what's what's Harry like as a as a little five year old?
6: Um, then he's super intelligent. Is he? He's unbelievably happy for everything he has to endure. Like you would wonder how how he can be as happy as he can but he literally always has a smile on his face. Um yeah.
2: And he's in he's school, good. he's in what is he is he junior infants or se- He's in junior infants, yeah. yeah, he's in he's
6: in mainstream school and everything like, he's, he is so he's so witted up there like And,
2: and well able well to, able to keep up intellectually with all of his peers.
6: Yeah, definitely.
2: Wow, wow. Okay, so what difference do you believe this drug will make to Harry?
6: Um, well, it, it could dramatically like extend his life expectancy, and it will give him much better quality of life because he obviously it can it can rebuild muscles or it can just maintain the way they are. So like he his arms could stay strong, not, like for him like, um, and he you know he could just not get so weak that he can't do anything for himself.
2: And is he a determined little kid? Does, does he want to be doing everything Absolutely, himself? Absolutely, yeah. Oh, he
6: really hates not having to ask anyone to do anything for him. Like, you have to roll him in beds, you have to bring him to the toilet.
2: Bless his heart. And the problem with this drug is it's expensive. How much would it cost for Harry per year?
6: Um, 600000 for the first year. And then, I think, 380000
5: Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and
2: 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
6: Every year after that?
2: And he would be on it for life? Yeah. And how many children need Spinraza in this country?
6: 25. That's including Harry.
2: So it isn't a massive, it isn't, you're not talking about tens of thousands of people looking for this drug.
6: No, and I think overall, of all types and ages in Ireland, is seventy people. And we found out last week at the protest that if Ireland would go for it for all types, that they'd get a lot of money off, and they'd even save money on like other pharmaceutical drugs, bio something. I can't remember the name of it. Yeah,
2: the more you buy from these companies, it's it's yeah yeah yeah, it's like bulk buying, isn't it? It's like that that, that's a. And the the really killing part, Rebecca, for you and the other families are, it's you know it's. Unfortunately you're born in Ireland. If Harry had been born in a different country, other mm-hmm. countries fund this drug?
6: Yeah, I think Ireland, the UK and Eastonia, Estonia are the only EU countries left to, to approve it. And a lot of them are approving it for all ages and all types.
2: So other countries are seeing the progress that's been made? Yes. Yeah. Oh, what was it like at the protest uh, the other day, Rebecca?
6: Um it was uh, we did the presentation first, so me and five other families spoke inside the doll CDs and that was absolutely heartbreaking, like there was CDs walking out, bowling. Um and then outside it was really positive obviously and we got a lot of um support from the TDs as well. But it was also heartbreaking because there were speeches being done and all the children were there. Well, most
2: of them. And what age but, uh, was were they all around Harry's age or what age are what age are these kids?
6: Um Harry's the youngest, I think there's two five-year-olds with it and then it goes up from that to to 17, 18.
2: And without the drug, Rebecca, what, what, what is the prognosis for Harry?
6: Um, well, I was told that his life expectancy was his late teens and early 20s. So, obviously hearing that, you know, it's heartbreaking to think that this kid's like me, this kid's 18 now who won't get it if they don't approve it and you don't know what their expectancy is, like.
2: And you are obviously almost seeing a deterioration in Harry almost on a daily basis.
6: Yeah, you would. Yeah, and sometimes you wouldn't see it, like cause it, it can it can just happen overnight as well. If you get me,
2: yeah.
6: Like you'd think he'd be okay, and then he, even if he's like slightly tired, like when he came back from Dublin, his to were like, much weaker the next day. You know, and that can that can read that can get better. Like that might not be permanent, but it could be then as well, you know. So it's always like it's just living on the edge really.
2: And is there physiotherapy <coughs> or exercises or anything you can do to help?
6: Um, yes, yeah, so he goes to Naval Ireland and they kinda of keep him as healthy as possible. And he also goes to um Elise Fitness in Cork, it's in the marina. Yeah. He does rehabilitation with him, so he's 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 really good. Yeah. He's amazing and he's, he, you can see him getting stronger from it but also his disease is what his disease is and it's not going to be a permanent thing we're out to
2: Wow. And what feeling did you get at the protest? Did you get any sense that, I mean you definitely seem to have got your message through if you had TDs upset. Did you get any sense that, yeah, they'll change their mind?
6: Um, hopefully. A lot of them said, like they all said they're going to work together and they're going to try to help us to push it over the line and they were kind of saying, you know, just kind of try to keep positive for the next few weeks and hopefully there's like a good outcome at the end of it because they're like, it's ridiculous that you have to actually stand here and give your a present testimony as to why your child should be alive.
2: And the HSC saying simply it's too expensive. That's just their right. argument. Yeah, I, I, I mentioned when you were coming on earlier, Rebecca. We got, we were involved in in a gentleman from Mallow who has a thing called Alpha One, which is a genetic form of emphysema, and they were fighting for a drug called respresia to keep their patients mm-hmm. alive. It's a very similar story, except yeah. we were talking about older people versus uh, children. Uh, and they they fought a long fight and they they eventually got us but like time is running out for a lot of those yeah. older children isn't it
6: yeah and if there's a type one born like now and they're not given the treatment like those children don't reach their second birthdays
2: oh my you know god me? oh my god and have you do you, are there other people in cork like Harry or have you support from other parents um
6: there is another woman in Cork. That- Her daughter has an SMA, Um I think she's I think she's in in secondary school and everything. I think she's a bit older. Yeah, and I do have great family support and great friends here. So great. Great.
2: Lama that continue. We'll keep in contact with you, yes. uh, Rebecca, and we'll keep our fingers crossed uh, for you Thank that you. hopefully. And I look forward to the day we'll bring you back on when it's a good outcome to announce yes. that that you got the drug. In the meantime, uh, keep doing what you do when you're an incredible mother and um, give Harry a big hug for us. And thanks for joining did, us. True. God thanks bless. Thank you bye bye. Bye bye. Oh, those stories are just, she has enough on her plate, doesn't she, looking after little Harry without having to take off and go to Dublin to, to fight the system in a protest outside Leinster House. Now, a Castle Martyr dad uh, who was once told he might never walk again after a spinal injury left him paralysed has made it into the semi-final of this year's Ireland's Got Talent after receiving the golden buzzer from Judge Louis Walsh last Saturday night. Barry Darcy from Castle Martyr joins me. Good morning to you, Barry. Good morning, and, uh, well, firstly, congratulations! You were amazing. Your thank you your so, so much. your version of Wonder of You—it was incredible. And actually, do you thank know you. something? And, and I said this earlier. I, I was rooted to the spot in my kitchen. You just every now and again that happens to me, where I just some ah, uh, you just grabbed me. You—it was fantastic. Oh, thank you so now, much. Thank and you. It, it did strike me. Did you soul search as to what song you were going to perform? How do you go deciding what song will I do for an audition like this?
7: I mean, I suppose the song—the song that anybody sings has to have some kind of meaning to to you, to to a person themselves, you know. And um, you have to be able to relate to the words. And you know, um, as I said in a, in a previous interview, um, that um, the wonder of you, when nobody, else, when no one else can understand me, it was really this whole journey for us was was a journey as a, as a family and, and 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 trying to make some success out of some out of a tragedy, you know. And then um, there were. I mean, my wife and kids were, were paramount and all that, you know. Um, and, you know, the wonder of you was, those words resonated for me. And it was just a kind of a, to let them know that, um, that I appreciated everything and, that, and uh, that they did, you know. Um, they, were, they were, my wife was a colossus through this whole ordeal. And then uh, my kids as well, so.
2: And, and um, fabulous know. that you were all together to, to yeah, experience that. Yeah, that, fabulous, that yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Just to be
7: able to give something back to them. How long,
2: so. how long have you been singing?
7: Uh, I started singing probably um, right, right when I was eighteen, or so about right, right, right twenty years now. Um, I started off as an Elvis tribute act, and I, I had my own Elvis tribute act, and um, I did that right up until my my injury. And unfortunately, with the with the injury, um, when I tried I tried to go back after the injury to do the Elvis thing, but the Elvis Presley um, show is a high high energy thing, and mm-hmm. I, I have some resonating. Um, you know, problems with my legs and stuff. I just wasn't able to put this thing um, um, show together, and um, and unfortunately, I, I stopped doing that. But I was able to go into a kind of a more mainstream thing, and and um, just to uh to keep singing because I love singing, you know.
2: And take me back to 2013, and and what actually happened with your back.
7: I mean, twenty. Uh, yeah, I just I, I i was at home with with back pain one Sunday, and i i i said to my wife, "Look, I need to go get some pills or something, or tablets to take for this pain, because I need to go to work on a Monday." You know, and uh, I I went in South Dock and I got the the tablets and um, came back out and got into bed. And when I got when I got back in bed about an hour afterwards, and um, I um, tried to stand up, and my legs started to shake uncont- uncontrollably, and I fell onto the floor. And um, so obviously I was a bit shocked. I didn't know what was going on. So I tried tried again to stand up, but again I just uh, fell down. And um, so we called my wife and we we called the ambulance and ended up in um, COH that night um, in the in the emergency department.
2: And the diagnosis was what?
7: So the diagnosis was um, it was a herniated disc. What they call as it, cardiopulmonary syndrome. And um, what happened was that the, uh, I had had back pain for you know a while you know what I mean as um, as
2: a lot of people do
7: yes uh, yeah Yeah. of course yeah yeah yeah. and you just don't think Um, you know you just go and you take the tablets and you think that you're going to be okay you know but then yeah so basically what happened was the disc in my back herniated, and it was leaning on on my sciatic nerve and um, the sciatic nerve then carries the messages from the the brain into the nerves in the legs which obviously make her legs move and stuff so that message was cut off unfortunately I was just I was left paralyzed. Um, so I had a, a microdissectomy to relieve the pressure and um, but um, usually what happens is that uh, you you recover quite quickly but the damage was so extensive it just um, it didn't fire the the nerves didn't fire back up and uh, we were just left um, in a wheelchair
2: uh, and you were told that the possibility was you'd never come out of that wheelchair
7: Yeah, look at the. I have to um, um, sing the praises of the CMH, the hospital in Cork. There, Um, they really worked extensively for about five weeks in their physio departments. I just want to say a shout out to Liz and Derek and Joanne and all the staff up there. But um, they really, um, they really um, worked hard with me. But unfortunately, things weren't progressing like uh, as we as we wished. And um, so we got a placement in Dunleary. And Don Leary again, a fantastic hospital as the, well. Um,
2: the, the amazing Don Leary. Yeah. everybody talks oh about God. it, yeah.
7: It's unbelievable, another shout out to them as well, you know, they were, like there was a lot of people involved in my recovery, you know, not just myself and my family. They were an important part of it as well, but a lot of professionals as well. So we went into the NRH and they, they basically said, Lucas, we don't know whether the nerves are going to fire up, but we're going to give you all the tools to try and make that happen. And then... Um, so it was just uh, extensive, um, um, you know, physio and hydrotherapy, while also doing things like um, wheelchair skills and stuff like that, and trying to learn how to, you know, um, operate in a in or live while being in a wheelchair. You know.
2: So from start to finish, how long did the recovery take? Uh, uh,
7: uh, roughly about eighteen months. Wow. Um, yeah, so it was five weeks in um, in a, in a CUH um, again, the staff in the GA ward up there, fantastic nurses well, and doctors. They were beautiful people, um, and all the staff, even down to you know the the um, the canteen staff, just just everybody, the nurses, age, everybody were just fantastic. And I got to see a lot of that because I was there living with them for five years. Yeah, weeks. yeah, they do fantastic work up there. But so um, you, yeah, you, so you it, was, it was five weeks in in, in CAH, and then and um, five to six months uh, in in the NRH.
2: So you've a lot to be was, grateful for.
7: Oh, absolutely. my yeah. God, um, And a lot of people to be grateful for as well, you know. Um, yeah, absolutely.
2: So um, whose, whose idea was it to go on to Ireland's Got Talent?
7: So, a, a funny story, actually. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I, I, like I said, I, I love singing. So um, and, and I watched Ireland's Got Talent last year and I thought it was a fantastic production and, 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 and all that. So I said, look, you know what? I'll give it a shot. So I sent in my video but secretly, Fiona, my wife, sent in a video as well. So none of, none of us, none of us, told each other that that we were sending in the video. So about a week after, we kind of came came clean about it. And uh, so there's a running joke now in the house that says who, who actually which video actually got the uh, the first audition. So and effort, were they two very different?
2: Were they two very different videos?
7: Well yeah, well, yeah, there was a yeah, there was, like one I think was me doing Elvis, and another one that I picked myself doing I think a film on the TV sound or something like that. So we're really not sure which one, which one it was. But uh, yeah, but look, I think I give Fiona the credit
2: for, okay. the credit for it. And then to <laughs> to go through the process, get out on stage. I mean, you obviously knew from as soon as you started singing the reaction from the crowd. I don't know whether you can see the reaction of the judges, but you obviously knew it was going well but then for Louis to stand up and hit the golden buzzer.
7: Do you know something? He stood up, you know, the the audience were fantastic and and all that and I was kind of emotional at the start of it and all that kind of thing. But, he, he stood up and because it it was a new environment for me, I didn't know he he could have had a sore leg for all time, you know what I knew. Mean? <laughs> <laughs> he might have had a small pain in his back. I I, I just you know <laughs> you know, but <laughs> he stood up and he kind of stood side down and, and 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 then he just started walking over to the center and, and I think you can see by the reaction in my face that I was I I wasn't expecting it yeah. to be fair you know, but uh that it was just you know, it was just a and then it, it was a kind of a a, a feeling that you know. We've come full circle as a family, and because of all our hard work, well, then this is kind of a payoff for us.
2: It's brilliant. So and you go straight through to the semi final. Do you know the time scale? When is that all happening?
7: So, the semi final is uh, it will be on, on the 6th of April.
2: 6th of April, okay. Yeah. So, is there uh, do we know how many semi finals? Is there, is there just the two?
7: We don't know because the deliberations are not, are not complete, okay. Yet, so we really don't know how
2: many. All right, many and then, people, and then that's that's when we'll be asking people to vote and all of that, and exactly, then you and yeah, then you absolutely. get out of that, and you will get out of that, and then you get into the final, and hopefully, then there'll be the hopefully. big night. And of course, last year's winners are from yes. your your neck of the woods, they Billy, yeah, Billy yeah, Jean yeah, Stansfield. So no bread no bread pressure now from East Cork, can no. I say no pressure, <laughs> no, yeah, no yeah, pressure. Yeah. And yes, of course, I'm going to mention you're not you're originally Wexford man, isn't it? I'm originally I'm
7: originally a Wexford man. Yeah, I've been living in Cork since I'm from Enniscorthy and in County Wexford under the beautiful Vinegar Hill. Um, um that's where I was raised. Um but um I and I've been living in Cork for the past fourteen years. I met my wife and all in Clancy's at a at an Elvis Presley gig. so um, <laughs> we met we met we met there.
2: So it was you the lot- the love of a woman.
7: Oh absolutely absolutely yeah.
2: And you've ended up in a beautiful neck of the woods.
7: Yeah Castle it Matter is a beautiful village, yeah oh, we we love it down there, you know. Lovely people and and you know the support from everybody has been so great. It's really really appreciated, and um, by all of us. Uh, it's ha- the, the, even the social media stuff. And um, it's hard to keep up with it. But uh, you know, if anybody has, has has made a comment or liked the video or something, I just want to say, look, your support is very very appreciated. Even if if I don't get a chance to you know answer back, because it's been really really immense.
2: Well done. Well done. Well, well, enjoy the period between now and when the reed work begins in April. and we, <laughs> we, we will talk again, Barry, in the meantime. Thank you for that. Thank
7: you so and, much, uh, And Thanks Thank for
2: joining us. Uh, bye bye. Well, a lovely, lovely man. That is Barry Darcy, who, if you saw Ireland's Got Talent last week, you'll know who I'm talking about. Uh, he did the Elvis Presley's uh, The Wonder Review and he was Louis Walsh's golden buzzer and uh, we're all delighted for him and uh, we'll keep a close eye actually Cork seems to be doing really well we must check up on other I know there's uh, I mean I I don't know how many other are straight through to the semi-final outside of Barry uh, from Cork but I know there are certainly others from Cork that have qualified and there will be an elimination process there's only a Certain number of people go through to the live semi final shows, and that's when people will be asked to vote. And then, so many out of that then will go through to the uh, final. But well done to uh, Barry Darcy from uh, Castle Martyr.
5: You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text
2: lines are currently closed. Some tickets to go along and see Daryl Hall and John Oates live at the Marquee on Monday the 8th of July. If you are a Hall and Oates fan, get dialing 1850 333 103. And we're going to give a pair of tickets to Caller 9 and a pair of tickets to Caller 10 today. Double chance to win uh, today. And the tickets to go see Hall and Oates are going on sale this Thursday, 7th of March, 9am. So we have tickets to give away before they're even on sale so you'll be the very first to get the Hall and Oats uh, tickets when they play the marquee on Monday the 8th of July Get dialing uh, John Paul looking for caller 9 and 10 to win Hall and Oats live at the marquee from Monday the 8th of July 18.50 While we await our winners let me take a look at some of your texts and WhatsApps coming in. Now, I mentioned Jack's story earlier, just in case you weren't tuned in. Just let me recap on Jack's story. Jack contacted us because he's in a bit of a, he's in a, bit of a crossroads, I suppose, in his life, poor old Jack. He's in his 30s. He is just after coming out of a relationship with a very violent partner, uh, a woman who was physically abusing him and I imagine there was psychological and emotional abuse going on as well poor old Jack Uh, but Jack's problem is he's at a loss because this woman has left and uh, he says she wants nothing more to do with him but to be honest I think with an abusive relationship I actually think Jack you mightn't see it at the moment but I think this woman has done you a favour by leaving because I really don't think you were ever going to be in the frame of mind to leave her even though God help us he tried to get them to go for couple counselling tried to get help so that their relationship could get better but she would have none of that anyway let's put her aside she's left she's gone but now she's left Jack behind quite you would come out of a relationship like that very damaged and very hurt and, and in need of help. But he's got another problem alongside dealing with the breakdown of this relationship in that he can't read or write. And when she lived with him, it wasn't a problem because she was aware he was not able to read and write. So she was able to deal with all the posts and the letters and anything else that came into the house. And now he's, you know, letters are coming in. He doesn't know who they're for, or what they're for what he needs to do with them. So he's got that problem going on as well. On top of, he describes having what's a hole in his heart because of uh, the breakup. And uh, he's just at a loss. He doesn't know where to go. And, and I'm so glad in a way that he reached out to us in that that's the first step in the journey to recovery for Jack. It's the first step of saying, I need help. I need somebody to help me. I need somebody to... W- we need to put Jack back together again so that he can get on with his life and he will he will get it together and he will get on with his life and my initial reaction when on hearing Jack's story was to, to to give him contact details for a man who specifically deal it's a support it's the only dedicated support service for male victims of domestic abuse in Ireland so they definitely will be able to talk him through and help him and give him the support he needs to get over the abusive relationship and then we're also hoping that we can get him to link up with his local national adult literacy agency to get him reading and writing because there's no age, you're never ever uh, too old to learn to read and uh, write and I think that will open up a whole new world for him and it will build his confidence and his self-esteem. But he contacted us because he wanted to hear what listeners would think and what listeners have advice and where listeners would suggest and, you know, what... What, what, would listeners, could, what would listeners say to him and he wanted to, to also hear from anyone who had been in a similar relationship had come out of a similar relationship and how did they get on with their life how did they put their life back together again here's just a sample of some of the, the comments and we will get all of this information and we will pass on all these kind words uh, um, to Jack Somebody says hi. Uh, listening to a story about Jack. By the way, not his real name. We've made up. J- we've given him a different name, which I'm just saying is from the East Cork area. Uh, I was listening to your story about Jack, and if he'd like, I'd love to help him to read or write with free tutoring. I don't know how the other services work that have been mentioned on air, but I thought I'd offer all the same. That's a really, really kind thought. Thank you. Well, I know the National Adult Literacy Service. There. Service is free, but thank you. That's a very, very kind uh, offer. Okay, also coming in for Jack. Hi, Patricia. Just a word of support for Jack. Um, This is a message directly to Jack. You are a better person. Than your partner. It's easy to take advantage of someone's vulnerability. You will receive some help. People will reach out and don't be afraid or ashamed to take that help. I'm sure anyone listening to your story this morning feels for you and would not feel critical of your situation, especially your problems with literacy. Take any help given and your self-esteem will recover. Wishing you all the very best and that's from Mary thank you Mary that's a really lovely lovely thought lovely comment Mags says tell Jack life will get better after a while tell him maybe to go dancing maybe join a hobby join a social group where he'll meet other people I know a lot of people with reading and writing issues and when someone loves you or is genuine that doesn't matter at all and also says Mags it's never too late to do something about the reading and the writing so get out and enjoy life Jack, there are some very lovely people out there. Have faith in yourself as well. And that comes in from Mags. Thank you for that, uh, Mags. And uh, Catherine says, Jack will have to go for counselling particularly to get over the breakup and the breakup of what was a very abusive relationship. There's plenty of help out there for adults when it comes to learning to read or write. Well done, Jack, for taking the first step this morning. No rush in getting into a new relationship. You have your whole life ahead of you, says uh, Catherine. Thank you. Yeah, and he's only in his thirties as a... Is, a, is a, And there's a big, beautiful world out there with lots of lovely people, lots of lovely people. And, and please, God, one day he will find the right person. So thank you uh, to everyone who's t- to just taken time out to offer those words of advice uh, to uh, Jack. And we'll keep in contact with them and we'll update you and let you know how he is uh, getting on. Now, on the pensioners, and this is reaction to Pat, who commented earlier and kind of annoyed me I have to say I hope I didn't go into a rant on it but I, but I did get a bit annoyed when I read the te- when I read the text from Pat when I've been talking about pensioners and the change to pensions that's coming in they're tweaking the changes that came in in 2010 which stopped a lot of people getting a full pension and that's been sorted out and there's reviews going on now the reviews are unfortunately taking time but they're working through all of the reviews and people will eventually get what they are uh, entitled titled to and with from what we can gather is going to be back paid as well. And that prompted Pat to say with the goody goodies that sit at home waiting for their pensions and benefits to come through the door, uh, it's the money the hard pressed workers are being asked to go to work to pay for their idle ways says Pat who's one of the hard pressed workers working to pay the pensioners and I just got really annoyed because those pensioners have worked so hard all of their lives and are entitled to these pensions so how dare Pat uh, say that uh, and says uh, well done uh, Tricia for your rant at, uh, at Pat and one of those pensioners who sit at home Idly waiting for my pension to come through the door door every week that Pat speaks about. But soon, I'm hoping for a little bit more every week. I worked almost all of my life, but I took 12 years off to raise my family's to raise my children to which I've been penalised 26 euro per week thanking you says Anne and you're not on your own Anne uh, a lot of other pensioners fell into that same category as well but things are changing thank God uh, for that and also someone else was on, on on the pensions as well I am sure Mags says about time that they are going to change the pensions and everybody and everybody looks after themselves so so, hang the begrudgers. We'll all be there someday. We'll all be pensioners one day. Also, why is it so hard to get a job in Mallow in a shop? If you have experience, all are looking for staff, but I send in my CV and it's been ignored by management. I have no reasons. I suppose it's individual management as to why they employ people. It, it seems bizarre that you have experience and you're not getting work uh, mags I'm really quite taken aback with that because we often hear from people who say they're trying to get a job and when they go to get to look for a job to the younger people they need experience and how do you get experience if you haven't got uh, the job Okay, some more of your comments Tim from Mill Street says uh, hi Patricia I would like to know how many people die every day waiting for treatment and new drugs to become available. This is reaction to Rebecca who joined us talking about her son. I'm sure it's a lot more than die on our roads because of uh, drinking and uh, driving, and yet we force these people to wait for their uh, drugs. And there was a lot of people actually wanting to offer it, wish support to Rebecca, and saying, you know, it's just and just bless her heart and you could hear she was nervous as well during the interview God Lover. Um, but she's you know doing the best she can to fight for her little son Harry uh, John and Cove says it seems this government and past governments are more interested in saving money than saving lives I wonder if any of those politicians sons and daughters were in the category like that Rebecca is talking about that very rare disorder that her son suffers from would it be a different story it is so so wrong says John to make children suffer. There's something very, very wrong uh, in that and Mora said on this is tied in with, on Pat's message about the pensioners staying at home to wait for their pension Maura was depressed indipres- at all with Pat's comment she gave up work to look after her children and then went back to work afterwards but then the HSC forced her to retire because she reached a certain age she didn't have a choice and there are many other pensioners who are forced to retire who would prefer to be out at work and reports in of potholes on the road from Ballybeg to Butterfield dangerous as cars have to cross the white line to avoid them. Are the council ever going to do anything about them? So anyway, at the council, if you're listening, powers the be. Can you get out, please, on the road from Ballybeg to Buttovent? Very dangerous potholes, our listeners are telling uh, us. Uh, eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. The winners of our Hall of Notes tickets today, Eileen McCarthy from Cora. Congratulations, Eileen. And Marie Crowley, Crowley from Wing, both picking up a pair of tickets to go see Hall of Notes live at the Marquee, Monday the 8th of July. We have more tickets to give away this week, and if you are. Not lucky enough to win tickets, then you can buy tickets to Haul & Notes. They go on sale at ticketmaster.ie from this Thursday morning at 9am. But another pair of tickets to give away thanks to our good friends at Aiken Promotions. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork
5: County Council, supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie.
2: Dumtariff annual retreat to Arge Fert will not go ahead this year. This is due to unforeseen circumstances. A monster 1,000 euro bingo for baby Emily Toll, who suffers from Tar Syndrome. And to Go to America for treatment will be held in the Parkway Hotel in Dunmanway tonight at half past eight. There will be a raffle and you please ask to support. Bandon Country Market are holding a pancake fundraiser today. Proceeds going to Creative Bandon and Tidy Towns. Bingo goes ahead tonight in Shambhali Moore Community Centre half past eight. New members are always welcome. While the Mallow College of Further Education, they've got an open day running until half past five today. And there's a blood donor clinic at Mallow Racecourse uh, 5 to half past 8 today and then tomorrow Wednesday 3 to 5 in the afternoon and 7 to 9 tomorrow night. There will be oh, Annam Cara, the organisation that supports bereaved parents, they're holding their monthly meeting in the Clayton Hotel, Silver Springs in Cork. That is tomorrow at 20 past 7 tomorrow evening and a free introduction to mindfulness it's a 6 week course starts this Thursday at the Cork Arc Cancer Support House the bungalow in Bantry to book a place call 027 53891.
5: In Cork, farming is a vital part of who we are. That's why C103 brings you Farm Talk with John O'Connor. Saturdays at 10am and Wednesdays at 10pm. Why should farmers have their silage tested?
8: Getting silage tested is so important. The quality of the silage will affect how cows are fed, the dry period and post-calving.
5: Turn on Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Agri-Business for quality feed, expert service and support you can trust.
2: Only on one hundred and three, And somebody's asking my text, are clocks going forward this year for a good? Uh, no, I can definitely tell you it's not for good. There was hopes that they would go forward this year for good. There is a proposal now on the table and I think we are getting to it tomorrow. Um, I'll get confirmation on this from John Paul. There, there is a proposal going forward that decisions individual member states in the EU have to make the decision themselves, whether they want summertime to remain permanently. And it would be 2021. But I think each member state has to vote on it. Now, how that's going to work, I don't know. I also, when I initially saw that it's going to be individual member states across the EU deciding on summertime, you instantly think about Brexit and what would the United Kingdom decide to do? And if the United Kingdom decide to stay with the clocks going forward and back, and then we in the Republic of Ireland decide to, no, we're going to remain in one time all year round, could we have a situation on this little island of Ireland where you'd have two different time zones? There would be a different time zone in Northern Ireland because they'd fall under the United Kingdom than we'd have down south. And even just even just commuting between Ireland and England and doing business between Ireland and England, even though I know people will say well, post Brexit there won't be a lot of that going on. But I don't know. So I don't know where. It's, it does seem to be all up in the air. Initially, when we were doing interviews on this and talking about this, it looked like that it was going to be an EU decision and an EU-led decision that all of the parliamentarians would decide in the EU that yes, this was a good idea and no, this wasn't a good idea and then a decision would be made. And it was very much leaning towards the yes. I mean, I think, you know, the reason why we put the clocks back was done in a very different era when we didn't have light and when we needed to have more light and the farmers needed to have more light in the morning times and there was, you know, there was a whole reason for it and, and it was also linked in with the First World War And but times they are changing and we don't need to be doing it anymore I think everybody accepts it's a kind of a dated phenomena that we do in putting the clocks forward and back so everyone was happy enough for whatever, you know, for the decision to be made but now it looks like that what the EU, the MEPs have decided is that they will leave it up to individual states. So as I say, we're hoping to do something on it tomorrow. I'm just waiting on on confirmation with uh, John Paul. Uh, So it is something, but but definitely the, the answer to your question is no. They're not going forward this year for good. We definitely will have time changes next year for 2020 and possibly 2021 and then if I take it then if the decision is made in 2021, we'll be doing it for the last time. 185333103. Now, the contractor working on the ring road near Clonakilty, which has been closed for the past eight months, has just applied for a one-month extension to the road uh, closure. Councillor John O'Sullivan is on the line. Go- good afternoon to you, John. Good afternoon. Producer. This is unbelievable, and I imagine has gone down like a lead balloon to. L- for local people.
0: Oh, absolutely! I mean, we, we were just notified at the end of the meeting yesterday morning, and uh, to be honest with you, I got such a shock because I had just put a request to the executive that, that ring holding a street party on the twenty second when the road would open, and I was asking for Carr County Council to make a contribution to support it. And out of the blue comes the engineer tells us that the contractor was just after notifying them that he was going to apply for a month's extension to the uh, to, to the road closure. It came as a bolt out of the blue and it was shock got us when, we got, when it came to us but as, as as we put out the message and spoke to people, the anger is, is palpable out there at this stage. I mean, and, and what people feel, really feel aggrieved about is for for quite long periods during the time nothing has been done on the road, the place was empty and to think that that time was left elapsed and now look for an extension of time is, is just it's crazy, but it's it's a source of absolute anger to people who have put up with this for eight months. And as as you know very well, at the start, they were afraid of it. And they they agreed to it, as well. And you can't say agreed to it, it was enforced on them. But to think that time was left unused and now to look for an extension, it's just absolutely crazy. And it just shouldn't happen. But like, as I put up afterwards, even at this stage... Would we have a guarantee that at the end of the month that wouldn't happen again? I mean, somebody has got to take And the,
2: okay, it was what, what was what was the date that locals were told it would reopen? The twenty second of March. So, are we now saying the twenty second of April? We are, because that's going to bring it up to nearly to to Easter. Absolutely. And that's, that's Easter the, is the 20, Easter Monday is the 22nd of April oh come on it'll be closed for Easter near at that that's rate That's right and, and,
0: and we we are am being, being parochial here the the seven heads Peninsula road review is happening at present and here we are with the road closed and an extension and it, should, it, it it could it could be detrimental to this case as well it's it just I mean it, it doesn't bear thinking of it it's honest to god
2: i' i'm cut for words I can and you're not you're not normally you're not normally so exasperated but I can can hear it in your voice and what did the executive say yesterday have they no choice but to give the extension
0: well you see uh, where they are the road is closed and unless it's put back together and sorted the road won't be usable I mean that's the the catch 22 we're in but I mean again and and I I put it up online last night and I will be making a submission when, when, when this is advertised I mean we need guarantees that, that it can't go further than this, that it shouldn't happen anyway. The other thing that, that ha- there's, there's still nearly three weeks to go to the 22nd of March. Any contractor that, that's worked their solid, if they were facing a, a deadline date like that, should be putting in extra staff doing shift work, working weekends, and, and doing whatever is necessary to bring in on time. And that is not happening. We have no we have no record that, that they're proposing to do that. It's just Absolutely unacceptable what, what came to us yesterday.
2: Okay, stay there because one of your fellow councillors, uh, Christopher O'Sullivan, I believe is at the site and has just spoken uh, to some of the engineers. Good afternoon to you, Christopher. Hi, Richard. Uh, you've spoken with some of the engineers on site? Yeah. And what okay. are they saying?
5: Well, I'm as shocked as everyone uh, f- uh, first day that, that, that this is uh, running into an overall and I'm also very disappointed and I would 100% agree that someone needs to be comfortable. But, the information that we're getting, and in fairness that Councillor Sullivan is getting people, it's all second-hand information because it is an OPW job, because it is Matt Macdonald and wardenburg The council are very much in the back seat in relation to the information we're getting. So it's all second-hand information. So I requested, and uh, thankfully they, they adhered to my request to let me on site and to let me in and, and actually see firsthand what's going on and what's happening and the reasons for the overrun. The biggest reason. For the overrun and for for the request for the extension is the stone mason work uh, that's happening along the uh, both sides of the wall. Uh, it's this very uh, specific type of stone mason work. It's on edge or vertical. They describe it. In other words, the stones are vertical, as opposed to horizontal, which apparently would have been quicker. So that's that's the main uh, reason for the overrun. I put the questions to them that we are getting asked, and myself and John are getting asked in terms of. Um, is there personnel being uh, uh, sent to the abandoned job, uh, the abandoned flood relief scheme, which is something that we're hearing on the ground. They're they're saying quite adamantly that there isn't, that there's six stone masons on site um, every day, uh, you know, during the week, during full-time working hours, and also four to six staff.
2: Yeah, but um, was from, there a period of time work. where there was no work being done where they could have been doing the work? That's delayed. Um, That's well, now add that into that, it.
5: Don makes a very good point there in terms they 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 set uh, a deadline for themselves, which we all thought was um, far uh, was was unrealistic, was, was far too long. They set a deadline, so they should have been uh, certainly working overtime, or there should have been more people um, and more staff put on on the ground. But I suppose, uh, look, I am just asking them the questions that were put to me. Is there is is there staff there full time? The answer to that is yes, there is. What is the reason for the delay? The answer they're saying is the stonemason work.
2: And and I, I thought, accept that that's very detailed work yeah. and it, the the end result will be all worth it because the, it'll be stunning. I mean stonemason work is stunning. But that doesn't take from the fact that there's going to be another month no. of road closure. It's, Can they uh, bring in more stonemasons?
5: That's what I've asked and that's the request that I uh, I am putting to them and I put to the, the, the engineer and and they said they'd look into that. But at the bottom like I I, don't want to it I want to say categorically that this is unacceptable. And someone needs to be held to account. And the whole thing in here is that the OPW are sitting above in their ivory towers. and They never have anyone here on the ground. Uh, Ward and Burke and Mark McDonalds do have people here on the ground. There are some local staff, there's about six local employees employed with, with Ward and Burke. But it's the OPW here who I would very, very much point the finger at. We told them we flagged this. We flagged that this would be an issue constantly leading to overruns. Not just this. And I think what's what's getting people very frustrated is, you have the work on the N71, which is separate to this, which ran into a nine-month, nine-month overrun, and then concurrent with this job here, that's running into a month overrun. And you've had the peninsula and the Village and businesses um, seriously put out for a long period. Of Shocking! Time. I can understand the frustration, which is why I went down. I wanted to get answers. Okay. Let me, just, let, let me just let
2: me just back in. Just let me back in John for a second. John, is there any fines in place if a contractor overruns?
0: Yeah, there's a bit,
2: there's a bit of stretch in the evening, and there's Saturdays and Sundays. Yeah, yeah. Christopher, was any of that mentioned? Yeah, but is that standard?
5: We, we need to point them. we need no we, we need to get them to really go because they are In um, the end of the day they are the people who are, who are tasked with a flood prevention okay. and they haven't been seen since I don't think that's
2: good enough Alright okay listen keep us posted uh, gentlemen and thank you for that and uh, thanks uh, for joining us on, on the programme uh, councillors uh, John O'Sullivan and uh, Christopher O'Sullivan with the very very disappointing news that the ring road near Clon will remain closed, closed it's looking like now for another month Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. 333 103 John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862. 103 103
5: Nick Richards weekday afternoons
8: from one C103 Are you enjoying the sunshine Oh it's absolutely fantastic Well it sounded like Rod Stewart yes. Yeah d- do you think it was Rod Stewart Yes Let's see what happens when I push this green button will we Okay Hi I'm um, just wondering is the answer to that quiz solitude Now that's a bit deep isn't it <laughs> <laughs> Hello hello aren't you good I know I'm clever aren't I? <laughs> I like your shoulder. C103. This
2: is the Court Today replay on C103. And uh, Joe Heffernan uh, joins us on this uh, Tuesday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. And you are very welcome. And we are, oh, before we get to the OCD, uh, somebody mm, sent me an email and wants it tied in with your slot here, which is perfect, to say that the Mallow Alanon family group are having an open information meeting in the Mercy Centre this Thursday, 7th of March, at half past seven, and everybody's welcome to come along. So that's the Al-Anon family group. So that would be for, for anybody living with somebody, isn't it?
8: Yeah, yeah, who, anyone who was affected by affected another person by. drinking. But there's a little bit of a dilemma there. Um, uh, I, I had that information too, which was for tomorrow night, Wednesday the 7th.
2: Oh Well, I'm looking at it now, and mine says, yeah, Mine says Thursday the seventh. The seventh is Thursday.
8: Is the seventh Thursday? The
2: seventh is Thursday.
8: Oh, sure. There you are. Yes, yeah, Thursday um, the seventh at half past seven. Would seem then to be more correct. Okay. Since right. uh, there was only twenty-eight days in um, February, my old watch hasn't caught up at all. <laughs> <laughs> um I I'll have to make some changes. To change.
2: All right, that's what it is. Okay. Now we we are talking about uh, we be we have been talking about OCD for the last uh, couple of weeks and today we're looking at uh, a family where a member has OCD. Yeah. And somebody earlier says uh, could you ask Joe this is some jail? Could you ask Joe what is the best way to deal with OCD when someone has the fear that the door is not being locked? So this is living with somebody who's constantly mm-hmm. checking the door. That's very classic OCD, and
8: it's very very regular. It is classic. Before I go into that, can I say one thing for two seconds? You can. Um, uh, there's uh, it, it ties in with a gentleman you had on yesterday on the program, um, uh, Kevin. It, there's a group to who are going to march in the St. Patrick's Day Parade in Limerick to increase awareness of dementia. Now, they're doing great work down there. They're going to the Hunt Museum tonight, and uh, they have a minibus and all that kind of thing. But anyone who's interested in taking part in that group on the day is most welcome. Now, the phone number for the Limerick Dementia Social Club is 85 1963 or email... LimerickDementiaSC at com. So you have those facts there so anyone interested can contact in. Is that okay? Perfect.
2: Perfect. All right. Absolutely perfect. Now,
8: okay. To answer the question there, um, the one thing that a family member doesn't want to be doing is enabling. Now, enabling, for example, would be uh, the family or the person with the OCD and another family member are driving off, and time and again, um, is the front door locked? Is the back door locked? Now, if the family member um, engages in the ritual, that is not the way to go. For example, to say to the person with the OCD, okay, look, this time you check the front door, I'll check the back door. Now, that is enabling. That's giving strength to the illness, and it's taking away from the strength of the sufferer. So the 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 approach is to be cruel, to be kind, and say, "Look, that is absolutely ridiculous. I'm not moving." And um, uh, we we talk a, a good bit about um, uh, ERPT, which is simply an acronym for um, exposure um, and. Uh, um, I always get mixed up in, 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 the, in, in the phrase, but anyway, it's basically um, exposure without um, giving in to the compulsion. In other words, um, uh, handle a door knob, but either either greatly um, refrain from washing the hands or in time, don't wash them at all um uh but, and therefore uh, if you're as as if you're living
2: person. with if you're living with the person you're supporting the person through that
8: yes, and the thing about it is that uh, and praise every little bit of advancement that when a person um uh, can expose to the um the trigger that sets off the uh, the compulsion to do the act um you know to be extremely uh praising of I think that's brilliant and I think that means you're winning um to 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 be able to say that um so uh, the exposure to the uh, to the trigger and the response to be not acted on is the way to go and then the uh, the the illness gets weaker and the person gets stronger so um uh the question that the person sent in uh, would be absolutely typical of um, OCD, um, uh, check the uh, check the, uh, the doors. Uh, you know, we're not talking about once. Um, we can all do that. And in fact, we might be well advised to do it. But um, when it comes to four, five and six.
2: And um, also that the checking of the door can be somebody halfway up to Cork. Coming yes. from the county, yes. oh, I didn't close the door. Yes, you did. And then, but and everyone then has to go back because the person is insisting I go back to check if the door closed.
8: Yes, and um, uh, again we're talking really deep down about anxiety. The the person's anxiety uh, builds and builds, um, and the it focuses in on. the the doors in the house are open or the cooker was left on or um, some other imagined uh, danger. And then uh, that's the obsessive thought. And then the compulsive action would be, I must go back. So um, if the person can um, begin to not go back, if the person can begin who, if they're hearing, look, this is ridiculous, this is just simply um, a thought, Um, it's not real, there's no evidence for it. Um, uh, So, it is very difficult where the line is like between reassuring and being strong and, um, uh, you know, helping the person to resist the urge coming from the anxiety to do the action. And, uh, and when the action is um, is not done, well, then, as I said, the person gets stronger. But it's very difficult. Like, um, in, in that book um, that I was talking about, The Man Who Couldn't Stop, I know now these are extreme, but, like, there were two brothers in New York... Um, I think the name was Collier, I'm not sure now, um, but they were both found dead in their house with something like 140 tonnes of um, uh, gathered rubbish, really, old bikes and prams. Yeah,
2: and magazines and newspapers. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah
8: and, and, um, That's hoarding. Hmm? Hoarding. Hoarding, you see, and... Uh, Hoarding is
2: Oc- is a form of OCD is it? It
8: is. Yeah. But but this again the book tends to course a few extremes. Um no Bota men died. Um and um it, it took the the fire service in New York it took them hours upon hours to get in and to find them. My god. And uh, and now one of them was a lawyer and the other was an accountant um, they were clever Intelligent, intelligent people y- yeah. but this thing took over
2: and who appeared to be living very normal lives and getting on with their lives
8: well they became a bit famous um, there were even um, television crews that went with them um, to certain things and um, you know they, they they could make plausible things if if they were collecting stuff off the street um, near their home they would say like um isn't it a fright the way that people are throwing rubbish about? But really, they were holding it. Yeah, and um,
2: and it's important to get the message across to people listening to us because I'm conscious that we're aiming this at the families of living yeah. with OCD. Yeah, the the family didn't cause the OCD. No,
8: no, and and that's very important, like That the family didn't cause the OCD, and there has to be an acceptance by the family members that they can't control the OCD and that they can't cure the OCD. What they can do is to be supportive when there is a, a little um, advance made by the person suffering from the um, OCD. But in the meantime, um, it's like the Al-Anon message. You were talking about the Al-Anon meeting in Mela. It's called detaching with love. And that means not facilitating, or the, the proper word, enabling, not to enable the sufferer, not to strengthen the disease by saying, of course we'll go back and check uh, that the door is locked. Um, and to realise that, I suppose that old phrase comes into it, um, one has to be uh, cruel to be kind.
2: Which is a hard thing to do.
8: It is. It is. Um, so that, like, uh, but one has to do it. Um, it, it. It's it's, like a lot of... Um, it's like a lot of obsessive thinking. Um, uh, one one will have to be uh, quite definite in saying things like, no, I'm not doing that. Um, that just doesn't make sense. Now, um, a, a family member might feel, oh my God, I couldn't do that. Um, that would be so uh, tough. But it's tough love yeah and uh, and And that's what it's all about yeah
2: that's what it's all about okay and overcoming compulsive uh, disorders was one of the books that we mentioned last uh, week uh, by David Veal and Rob Wilson and the other is The Man Who Can't Stop by David Adam okay we have to leave it there listen thank you for that um, Joe. Thank you, Patricia. Have a good week, and we'll talk again uh, next week. That's Joe Hefflin, who runs a counselling practice in Boherboy. His number is 02976617. Can I just tell you that Jack, uh, the gentleman that we've been offering words of advice to, coming out of that violent relationship, has uh, rang back the program. Uh, he's in work listening to the radio and he's in floods of tears and he's very thankful for all the advice that is coming in. He said he tried to ring the show last week looking for help but hung up but luckily this morning he got through at just the right time and uh, he's very thankful that he got, got through and I really do think he's on the first step of this journey of uh, recovery. Now we've got uh, a lot of calls in from people willing to chat with Jack which was Jack's initial reason for contacting us. He wanted to see could he find somebody else in a similar Situation who could offer advice, uh, and we have other people offering help, and you know, and offering just to meet up with Jack and to, to see if they can help them in any way. So John Paul is going to make contact with all of those people this afternoon, and then we'll pass on all of the relevant details to uh, Jack, and we'll keep in contact with Jack, and we will let you know how he, he is getting on because people have been really, really kind in their thoughts uh, for him and offering him very kind words. So thank you for that. And just very briefly on. Some texts and says, I'm one of the pensioners that, that Pat who contacted you is talking about. I worked all my life, I paid stamps, and now I am entitled to my miserable pens- pension. That I have to pay all of my household bills out of. Where Who does he think he is? He'll be old one day. He'll be getting the same pension that I'm getting and he should stop and think kind. Think first kind, uh, says Anne. Yeah, engage here. If you have nothing kind to say, say nothing at all. My late mother used to always say and it's good words of advice. And somebody else is asking about the pay increase from social welfare, the extra fiver. Is it from this week? No, it's the end of the month. It's the 25th of uh, March. Okay, that's what I leave you for today. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. We're back with you for Wednesday's edition of the programme tomorrow morning at 10 on the patricia Messenger. Good afternoon.
5: We've given away five grand
8: with C103 Cash Tracks. That's fantastic,
2: thank you. Any plans? We, we have two lads here in the office, so I might look after them. Oh, how generous are you, Amy? Very generous. Congratulations to you, you've just won for yourself 500 oh, my euro. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Am I calling 50? You are! Ah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Lydia. You. You're
8: oh, so welcome. God. You are caller number 50. What Very good. I can't believe it. What's the name of the radio station that gives away the best cash prices? C103. With
5: Cavanagh's, the new name for Ford and Mallow. For new and used car sales, visit Cavanagh's.com. C103 Cash
6: Tracks.
5: Stay listening for our next big giveaway.
2: On the home of Cork's greatest hits.
5: C103. <laughs>